The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Anthony Kazenza here with Cincy Jungle, the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We've got a busy week ahead and, of course, coming off of a busy weekend with the Bengals taking on the Giants, losing that one kind of last-minute fashion on that uh, on that front. We're going to talk and break down a little bit of what we saw yesterday, Sunday, uh, Sunday evening with that game. And then, of course, we're going to go through a couple of headlines and whatnot and get you caught up. We're only going to go through the AFC North, just kind of a little abbreviated headline show, um, as well as headlines with the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. So um, we're going to get you caught up on a lot of different things, but uh, happy to be with all of you talking some Bengals as we get to the regular season right around the corner. We've got a busy week ahead on this show, as I mentioned. We're, we got this episode on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things, including John Sheeran and myself talking about this game, talking about the upcoming clash against the Rams, what's going on with the roster, and we have an interview with Sam Hubbard that's going to be airing that night. So you're going to want to hang out for that, hear from Sam Hubbard. He's got a lot of cool thoughts about the season. It's good to catch up with him once again on the show. And then uh, we've got listener questions live at the end of the week, of course, post game after the, the game for the Rams. So uh, a lot to get to. And of course, you can get this show uh, by clicking the icon right down there. Click that to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the bell to be notified when we go when new content is available and of course you can also get all of our content you can get the great stuff from Bengal Jim talking football with Bengal Jim and friends new to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and of course coach speak and chalk talk with Matt Minnick all of those will be available on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel through your favorite audio streamer whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio all of the major ones we are there, so subscribe there. Leave us a review. Let us know how we are doing. Hopefully, you're enjoying what we've been bringing and trying to get you stuff all between the, the group of us, trying to get you all kinds of different stuff every day of the week or close to it at this point. And, of course, you can get all your news, opinions, analysis, etc. 
on cincyjungle.com. All right. So as we usually do, in case you're either new to the channel, new to this podcast, or you just forgot, what I like to do after games is I like to show the box score so we can kind of go through the stats. We can talk about specific players. And then what we'll do on this episode as well is talk a bit about, um, you know, who impressed, who didn't, where the Bengals, you know, some news that the Bengals have uh, in terms of roster moves and all that kind of stuff, the moves they have made. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then, you know, of course, a lot of different aspects. So uh, I like to share the box score from, I, I sometimes do it on NFL.com, but more recently I've liked ESPN's layout because they got a lot of different facets. So I'm going to share that with you all here as we break down the, uh, I don't know, as we break down everything with, with the game here. Now you, you can see here, Again, somewhat high completion percentages for the Bengals quarterbacks. Last week, I kind of, well, I mean, yes and no in terms of completion percentage. Last week, I kind of praised them in a way that it wasn't outstanding, but basically they had between three quarterbacks, they had one loss, fumble, um, no interceptions. They had, you know, a pretty decent completion percentage, pretty decent rating. Uh, This was a little more painful to watch this week. Not, none of the quarterbacks threw a touchdown pass. Very few big plays in the passing game. See here, Brandon Allen, 14 of 20, 105 yards, did take a sack. Um, you got Jake Browning, 10 of 16, 89 yards. Uh, I mean, a collective rating, Drew Plitt, who had the big game last week, only one of two for 17 yards. Um, I mean, you look at it here, it's just a collective rating of 80. Uh, collective 203 yards, 25 of 38. Um 5.6 yards per completion and zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, look, with, with quarterback play, and we'll talk on the other side here in a second, but with quarterback play in the preseason, a lot of times, especially when you're talking about backups and whatnot, this is this is a little bit expected. You know, you're going to get a lot of the check down stuff. You're going to get the safe throws because these guys who are vying for spots, um, they're not always going to do bombs away. They're not always going to do you know, big play left and right, left and right, because, you know, they want to make sure that they're not being careless with the football. They want to make sure that they are doing the right things. And also, you know, I mean, coaches want to see that they are playing within what they are telling them to do in the offense and in practice and all of that. So they want to see that translate to the game. So we, we know there's not going to be, you know, 50 yard bombs from backup quarterbacks to backup receivers with regularity. That's just not really what happens here in the, Uh, in the preseason with backup players, but still, I mean, I I was watching that game last night and I felt like, man, it was just almost a little painful in the passing game, no matter who it was to really get a completion, make a, make any kind of big play. It was, uh, it was a little tough to watch uh, the the passing game, the running game. You know, we, we can see here, there's some nice moments from some of these players here in the run game, obviously, couple of guys got in the end zone with Patrick and Williams. Uh, Jock Patrick had a, had a nice night, four carries, 28 yards, a seven-yard uh, per average. A guy big back, big back is Patrick, and a guy that, you know, has bounced on and off this roster over the past couple of seasons, getting another audition here, obviously had that nice 17-yarder. But you, you look here, again, going back up to the quarterbacks at the top here, man, it's just with one sack, uh, a collective 80 rating, it's just eh. Um, you know, you've got five and a half yards per completion, 203 yards, collective passing Allen leading the way with one Oh five, a lot of missed throws. Now that could be, again, you could put that on the quarterbacks or you could put that on receivers and just, you know, a a lack of 
true chemistry, and that that is kind of part and parcel what happens in the preseason with backup players. They just it's not the rhythm isn't as crisp as it is with your starting quarterback and your starting wide receivers, especially guys who've played for you know a, a period of time together. Um, so you know you know you look at this and it's just it's hard. And we had a question in here. Who was it? Uh, um, yeah, I think it's Seabird. What do you think about the QB two and RB two situation? Well, running back two, we'll get to that in just a just a second. Um, and and yes, Seabird also adds in the plit to prior throw, always good though. Yeah, Plitt and Pryor are having a nice little chemistry here and there, but still, you're looking at one of two 17 yards. There's just there wasn't a lot here, and and I think when you're talking about the, the second quarterback situation, I think the team will still roll with Brandon Allen. It's, it's the devil, you know, uh, as they say, as opposed to the, to the devil, you don't maybe with Plitt and Browning, maybe they keep Plitt around for developmental, you know, practice squad type of situation. I would be interested to see there, but you know, you look at Brandon Allen, he started games for the Bengals uh, when, when Burrow was out his rookie year, he's won a game for the Bengals, you know, as a starting quarterback and, you know, obviously has previous ties with Zach Taylor. So it's just a guy I think Taylor trusts if, and, and quite honestly, as we saw in Burroughs rookie year, if you're going to go to the backup quarterback, well, this team's in trouble. Uh, I mean, that's just the bottom line, whether it's one of those three guys or even another guy out there, uh, you know, it, it, there's a possibility the Bengals make a wire, waiver wire claim on someone out there. But uh, as of now, I would I would venture to guess that Allen is probably their guy, though he hasn't played all that well in the preseason in, in games. It's more um, it's more, again, just the, the comfort level with the coaching staff and Allen and a guy who has kind of been there, done that, so to speak, with Zach Taylor and the Bengals. So I, I think that's where they're at right now. Browning is, you know, giving him a little push here. Plitt making things interesting again, which you have to take into account with Plitt. Uh, you're, he's usually getting in at the very end of the game and going up against players who may not even be on an NFL roster come the regular season of any kind. So, you know, you got to take that into account a little bit. But as of now, I think Brandon Allen, if you're asking me, I think Brandon Allen probably has that inside track. I would not be surprised, though, if they hang on to Plitt for some sort of developmental purpose. Um, you know, of course, Browning is a guy they they uh, like as well. But, um, you know, Plitt's intriguing. He kind of has a little bit, uh, not the same player, obviously, but a little bit of that Dola Gala uh, from a couple of years ago in terms of, you know, he's he's more – apt at least in his chances here to kind of go for the bigger play than the other two guys seemingly are at this point in the preseason. So um, intriguing guys, but right now, again, I think it's Brandon Allen. That's going to be that backup quarterback. We'll see exactly what happens. I assume that these guys will probably get another lofty audition next week against the Rams. So you look here though, Davis Webb, a very efficient game here, 22 of 27. Um, and we'll talk about the receiver who had a big game there. 122.8 rating for Davis Webb, 7.6, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, did not get sacked. The Bengals only notched one sack against the Giants. Uh, the Giants only notched uh, one against the Bengals as well. But you see Tyrod Taylor, the guy that I, I was telling my my nephew yesterday when we were watching this game, I'm like, man, the Bengals have seen, I, I feel like the Bengals have played Tyrod Taylor more than like anybody. And he's played the Chargers, the Browns, the Bills. I mean, he's played for – wasn't he on the Ravens at some point, I think? Um, just a guy who is always going up against the Bengals, how it goes. And then you look at Daniel Jones, 14 of 16, 116, and an interception. 
very high completion percentage for these quarterbacks against the Giants. But here's the thing, the Bengals, especially when you go to Daniel Jones and you look at a lot of players that were out there, Daniel Jones and the ones were going up against the Bengals twos, threes, and less uh, on the evening. Um, and you see here, when you when you look at that, Daniel Jones is 70.8 rating against Bengals backups. So, uh, yes, 14 of 16, but he did have that interception. Great play by Dax Hill. That's exactly what you want to see out of him, re- react to a, a, you know, a ball in the air type of thing. Um, so I, overall, even though you look at the numbers, high completion percentages from I, Webb, Webb was pretty, pretty impressive. I wasn't overly impressed with Daniel Jones personally, especially when you're talking about him being the starter and who he was going up against with the Cincinnati Bengals. I was not overly impressed with him, but uh, someone from the Giants side of the table may tell you otherwise, regardless um, high completion percentage for them. And then I mentioned the ru- running backs for the Bengals. The The stats for Chris Evans are not indicative of the type of preseason he is having. When you look back to the first game, Chris Evans had two big plays, um, you know, a, a long run and a touchdown run that were both called back by Thad Moss holding penalties. By the way, Thad Moss is like, Mr. Headline, <laughs> and maybe not for the best of reasons in the preseason, um, but regardless, Evans here only five carries, three yards, but he did have one huge play more on that in a second. Travion Williams, okay night, 3.1 yards per carry, you know, churned out 28 tough yards on nine carries, and then Patrick, I said four for 28 with a touchdown. Pryor had a, had a run for a yard, and then the quarterbacks got in there, uh, a couple of scrambles there for not much uh, netting, but you did get Patrick and Williams in the end zone. Antonio Williams had a nice night for the Giants, five carries, 26 yards. And then you got uh, Jashawn Corbin, nine carries, 27 yards and a touchdown, only three yards per carry there. Jones had a five-yard carry. Tyrod Taylor had a four-yard carry. Um, so, I mean, just kind of, you know, other scrambles and whatnot from their quarterbacks. You go down to the receivers, Kwame Lasseter, your, your top receiver now, Kind of a, a an up and down game a little bit for him. He had seven catches, ninety one yards, um, and caught. What's interesting, it says seven targets, seven catches. However, he did have the drop in the end zone for a two point conversion that was inexplicable drop um, at the back of the end zone there. But still, overall, a nice night from him. Seven carries, ninety one yards, a long gain of eighteen. You see Trent Taylor had a couple of nice plays, two catches, 32 yards prior getting in the mix, four catches, 28 yards. He's making a case for it, it, it being hard to get rid of him. I'm granted only seven yards per catch as opposed to the others who were in the teens above him uh, on this list here. But Pryor's making it difficult for him to, to go away. Irwin, three catches, 16 yards, had another. I think he had the fumble at the end there. Um, and then there was another one with it was either him or Taylor. I can't remember, but. Uh, it was a, a ball that, yeah, it was a touch, a tough catch, outstretched, but got both hands on the ball, and it kind of flew through the hands there. Um, that, you know, on a play that would have netted a first down, I think it was a third down as well. So, you know, you look at that, and Irwin three catches, just 16 yards there, um, three catches on seven targets. That's that's not great. So um, the Bengals uh, on those top four guys right there, they've got a lot in terms of the coaching staff. And everything they've got a lot to figure out between those four guys. Lassiter making a you know ha- continuing his good preseason, albeit the drop on the two point conversion in the end zone. Tyra, uh, excuse me, Trent Taylor uh, making some plays and also bringing some special teams value. As does Lassiter. Prior, kind of the same thing. 
Irwin, kind of the same thing. And, and also the Bengals are kind of needing another slot option potentially on the roster. Now you can put, you can kick inside potentially, you know, we've seen Mike Thomas do some things in the slot. Uh, you know, Stanley Morgan does a lot of different things, but in terms of a true slot guy, Irwin's kind of that guy. So we'll see exactly what the Bengals do at the, you would think that the, you know, the top five in that wide receiver group, at least four top five are largely settled. Uh, obviously with the big three, Boyd, Chase, Higgins, and then, you know, you look at one of the two, at least, if not both, Thomas and Morgan are safe. I would think Morgan is probably maybe a little bit more safe than Mike Thomas, but that's just me. But you would think that probably five of those spots are are dialed in. And then, you know, you've got maybe you got one, maybe two that between those four really that are kind of making a, a name for it. Um, making a run for it rather Thad Moss, only one catch for 11 yards, had a couple of catches the week prior, uh, has made some waves. Now there's a lot of talk here. Uh, and I will, I will pull this up real quick here. Um, and you know, (laughs) everybody's got uh, a lot of opinions on this and a lot, you know, they've got a lot of different thoughts on, you know, what, was it was this cheap was it not cheap you know what's what's kind of the verdict here um the bottom line is that especially as you look i saw damian woody who covers the nfl for espn and um i you know i i if you follow me on twitter i posted some videos after the game and from halftime of d'angelo hall and brian balding are two guys who played in the nfl for a very long time you know there's a big outcry for Thad Moss to be fined, disciplined for this cut block that he made on Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, I think when you look at an undrafted player from a couple of years ago going for a top pick and and this occurring to a top pick and getting a an injury there, that's going to cause some waves. However, Drew Garrison wrote this up on CincyJungle.com, and I will put this in the live chat for you all to to see there no discipline expected for that Moss's block that led to MCL sprain for Kayvon Thibodeau. And so when you look at the, around the league, again, Brian Baldinger, you saw outrage from people like Rich Eisen, uh, Emmanuel Acho, who's been around football for a really long time. Um, you know, I think uh, Warren Sharp uh, from Sharp Football, all of these guys that have prominent followings, prominent platforms are calling for Thad Moss's head or, a fine, it's a it's a cheap play, it's a bad block, whatever. But this, ev- others who have been in the league for a long time or had been in the league for a long time, Damian Woody, Brian Baldinger, D'Angelo Hall, go look on Twitter if you want. And they're saying, and and Brian Bulaga saying as well, this is this is stuff. This is the type of block that you saw from Thad Moss and Kayvon Thibodeau that is legal and happens often in the NFL. Now, what this may have done. In this era of, and it's a good era where it's player safety, you want to take care of players. And obviously, when you're a team that's building through the draft like the Giants have with high picks over the last handful of years, you know, this you don't want to see this kind of thing and lose a player on a play like that, albeit a legal one. Now, this is something that will probably, I would assume, be discussed at owners' meetings and competition committee and all that kind of stuff going forward. And this may be a block where they start to either penalize it, they outlaw it, or, you know, it's limited, whatever. But 
regardless, when you talk to uh, or hear from a lot of people who have played in the league for a long time, it's legal, whether you like it or not, whether you thought it was cheap or not, or whatever, it's legal and it happens all the time. So that's uh, the, the unfortunate truth about it. And, you know, Kay, thankfully, Kayvon Thibodeau did not, you know, tear a knee ligament or anything like that. He is uh, going to miss a couple of weeks, it would seem. Uh, and it seemed like he was going to be okay when he, you know, kind of called the card away. He said, he said, no, I'm good. He walked off under his own power. And, you know, of course, none of us want, want him to be seriously injured or anything. But, um, you know, this is just kind of unfortunately part of the NFL. And, and when you listen to people in – you know, again, Baldinger, D'Angelo Hall, others, it, they almost are talking it up as a learning lesson for Thibodeau to say, hey, you know, this is, um, you got to learn to protect yourself a little better because this is something that occurs in the NFL. By the way, this report of him not, um, him not uh, getting a fine here, Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, again, replying to Rich I. Eisen, who wrote penalty, hefty fine, suspension, nothing less is acceptable. Of course, we got to just immediately lay the hammer down on everybody. A very unfortunate playing result, but even with the updated rules, this is a legal block. No discipline coming. So there you go. Um, that's from Tom Pelliser of, of NFL Network, and that is obviously a big, big talking point right now in terms of Thad Moss, the Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau, etc. So I uh, wanted to kind of get that one out of the way a little bit, regardless. Unfortunately, Thad Moss is not really making a big case for himself to make the final roster and or get some playing time if he does, because that is a really thin group. You got Mitchell Wilcox with an injury. You've got Drew Sample, who's been nursing a, a knee injury. Obviously, the Bengals are sitting Hayden Hurst, their starting tight end. Um, and so now you look at it's time to shine potentially for Moss. Scotty Washington and others. Well, Moss had the one catch for 11 yards this block, which is legal, but he's making headlines, even if it's for un, you know people who are uneducated about the, the rules there. However, um, you know, there's just not a lot. And you go back to last week with Moss too, the two, two holding penalties that negated big plays. Um, there's just not a lot there that you would hope he would have kind of grabbed onto the opportunity there. Um, now, again, you can also go back to the, the quarterback play being spotty and all kinds of different chemistry issues and whatnot. But, um, you know, you would hope for a little bit more out of Moss. Uh, but then, you know, I mentioned his name, Scotty Washington, among the cuts here. Uh, and we'll get to that in just a second. Scotty Washington, among the cuts here, a guy I always had kind of big hopes for. The transition to tight end didn't really work for me for him. He was kind of a tweener guy, um, almost like a, a Devin Funches type of um, type of size there. But, uh, uh, you know, one catch, six yards, and it just wasn't enough there. So maybe this is continued opportunities for Moss to, to show himself as well. Um, and so you can see here Mike Thomas, uh, Javon Heli, another one of those. Nick Eubanks, another guy that they grabbed in free agency before the season, one catch for minus two yards just not getting a lot from the backup tight ends. Now we'll get back to the box score in just a second um, because the Bengals did wave three players. I mentioned two of those right now. This is on Cincy jungle and you can find this on um, a number of different sites as well, but be, me being the, the, uh, 
House man, yes, I, Seabird. I said didn't didn't Washington get waived today? Yes, that's what I was mentioning. So when you look at when you look at this uh, announcement here, um, they waived wide receiver Javon Heli, tight end Scotty Washington, and wide receiver Jack Sorensen. So a lot of the pass catchers, uh, again, you're you're getting you're whittling that down, and you're left with those four kind of vying for one, maybe two spots that I mentioned at the wide receiver position. The two Trents, of course. Um, prior i mean so there's there's a small handful of guys going for one maybe two spots and and now the bengals whittled down some things there tight end scotty washington wide receiver jack Sorensen, and wide receiver javon heli all going uh all, all waived by the Bengals on monday heli and Sorensen were both rookies uh scotty washington was with the Bengals since 2020 a guy that initially you thought maybe he's an odd and tate replacement because He's that big bodied, you know, catch radius type of guy. He's got a little more speed than Tate does, but uh, then they tried to transition him to tight end. It just never, never took, unfortunately. So um, the the Bengals are at 82 players and they need to get by, by tomorrow, August 23rd, they need to get to 80. So there'll probably be more announcements coming uh, pretty soon here. Um, some tough decisions to make for the Bengals, but they did wave three on Monday after the game. So um, that's uh something we, we got to keep monitoring here. Jerry saying hello from Kosovo. Hello, Jerry. That's awesome. I don't know what time it is in Kosovo. It's where I am on the Pacific, 4.30. But uh, I don't know what time it is in Kosovo. But thank you for tuning in, Jerry, from across the world. Love that. Uh, appreciate you tuning in, my man. Um, so let's go to uh, the, the box score once again, just to kind of review things as I'm kind of mixing in some of the headlines as we talk about it with the box score and the aftermath of the Bengals losing to the Giants 22 to 25. Um, some big plays in this guy, Alex Bachman for the Giants. What a game for him. 11 catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns was seemingly just, uh, he seemed to slip out of a lot of different tackles and a lot of different opportunities for the Bengals to bring him down and limit damage, but he just kept making plays and uh, was was just a, you know the kind of the shining star of the entire evening really for both teams. Uh, a couple of plays from uh, David Sills, the fifth, five catches, fifty six yards. Antonio Williams doing work in the passing game as well, seven catches, forty six yards. Keelan Doss a guy that a lot of people had some high hopes for. I believe he was in the 2020 draft. Three catches, 34 yards there. Uh, had a couple of nice plays, including a 20-yarder. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but when you look at when you look at the Bengals, I mean, you're looking here. There's still not huge, huge plays by the Giants. Long of the night was from Colin Johnson, 23 yards. I mean, long for the Bengals in the passing game. The other night was 18. So uh, not a lot of big plays, regardless, kind of controlled passing, short yardage. For, for both teams there, but Bachman, man, he had a game for sure. You see here, the Bengals did, um, uh, Gaillard did recover one of the, the, the fumbles. I believe that was Brandon Allen's, uh, Trenton Irwin had that lost fumble at the end there when they were trying to make a comeback. And then, uh, the, the CJ board had a, a lost fumble as well for the giants. Um, and then, uh, Holden had a fumble as well, but that was recovered. So, um, at any rate, that is, uh, you know, some some of the turnover stuff here. Again, no no interceptions here. Look at the stat line for Clay Johnston. Now, I was on a show Saturday night before this game. I don't want to 
I don't want to sit here and toot my own horn. I was on a show from with a couple of, uh, you know, pretty pretty well-known guys in the Bengals community. We're talking about Orange Arrow. We're talking about Dale Altman and Travis, who all host Bengals and Brews, uh, a really fun show, by the way. Maybe not so not so safe for work type of thing, if you're listening out loud. Maybe, maybe wear the headphones. Not so safe for the children, but still a hell of a fun show. Uh, we had a lot of fun Saturday night. And one of the things they talked about was, you know, hey, Anthony, what, where do you see some some shining rising stars or areas that will surprise you? And I said, you know what, if they stay healthy, look at the linebacker group. You get Akeem Davis-Gather back, high-end athleticism, and a guy who can do a couple of things. And then, you know, you've got Logan Wilson in there as well. A couple of other guys that, you know, uh, Pratt made some nice, m- nice steps last year. And then you've got some backup guys who are starting to do some things. And you look at, look at Clay Johnson's stats here 20 total tackles 16 of them solo one of them only only one of them for loss did have a sack with a quarterback hit but a gigantic stat line for clay johnston on the on the evening there 20 total tackles in a sack just wow uh big night for him when you look at everybody else's stats there it's it's you know it stands out jalen davis eight tackles two passes defended um you know did a bit better this week than he did last week did uh did Jalen Davis um of course Dax Hill doing some things and um you know you see there like I said eight tackles two passes defended there Alan George five tackles three passes defended uh Dax Hill with the interception great play by him uh was reviewed and he did he did have the scoop there uh, and then you see there two tackles from guys like Akeem Davis, uh, Gaither, Michael Thomas in there, Trayvon Henderson. Cam Sample uh, had a tackle for loss. You like that one there. Uh, nice, nice play. He's he's showing some some nice things in his second year. Hopefully he's a guy who steps up. Zachary Carter, a little bit more quiet this um, this week. And then Jeff Gunter did have a pass defended. Osai had a tackle. Again, they're kind of limited in, limiting some things there just to make sure he's eased back into things. But man, 20 tackles by Clay Johnston just was all over the place. Good to see Tyson Anderson being pretty active as well. Noted the speed. I mean, yeah, there were some, some plays where uh, he was more reacting uh, a a little late, a step behind than, than actually, you know, getting in there with the play. You can see that by, you know, zero passes defended or anything like that, but still seven tackles and was in on a lot of plays. So the, the safety duo, in this year's draft class, Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson showing showing some some skills, some speed, and everything there. Uh, Delonte Hood had a pass defended as well, and then you look over there at the Giants side of things. Um, you know, they've got Adoree Jackson in there and and others. I mean, really, just a lot of by committee. You see a lot of people with one tackle and that sort of thing. So all in all, not a bunch of like big plays in this game by either team. And I guess, again, that's a little predictable when you go, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, different things and, and, and the preseason, what you're looking for, what you're trying to achieve. And by the way, in case there is <laughs> sometimes on ESPN, they'll, they'll sneak a video and I'll, we'll, we'll get a little audio randomly there. So I'm, I'm trying to not scare everybody with a random audio on, on ESPN's box score here, but you can see here, look at the passing first down disparity. Um, and that's, that's where you're a little bit, uh, you're a little bit, again, going back to the backup quarterback situation with the Bengals, 11 passing first downs versus 20 for the giants. Uh, same amount of rushing first downs, not many for either team four apiece. piece. Um, Bengals did get three first downs from penalties 
Uh, and then, of course, only one for the Giants. Uh, a deplorable evening on third down for the Bengals, 4 of 13. Uh, the Giants were over 50% on that front, 9 of 16. Bengals were 2 of 2 on fourth down. Giants were 2 of 3. You see the total play disparity as well, 75 for the Giants, 61 for the Bengals. And then look at the total yards as well, 423 for the Giants, 272 for the Bengals. Over a full yard difference in terms of net yards per play, 5.6 versus 4.5 in favor of the Giants. Um, Passing yards, 356 versus 203 in favor of the Giants. So really, this, this was a game that was, you know, kind of in a way dominated uh, in a lot of aspects, particularly through the air by the Giants. Uh, Bengals kept it close there, and you see the Giants scored. This is when you look at here, look at the score by quarter as well. And so when you look at halftime, oftentimes in the preseason, you're going to look at, okay, what what were we at at halftime? It was basically 9-7 to seven for the Bengals, and, and that was, you know, into the second quarter, uh, I'd have to go back and look precisely when it was, but I mean, definitely through the first quarter and maybe even into the second quarter, the Giants had a, still some starters in there. So, and the Bengals did not. So they are, you know, you look at nine to seven here, uh, basically at the halftime. And then you look here, the Bengals scored, you know, 13 points over the course of the next two quarters. Giants scored a flurry of points in the fourth quarter, 18 in the fourth quarter to, to go out on top beat the Bengals 25 to 22 uh, going to the time of possession, pretty dang even 29, 19, 30, 41. Um, so 29 minutes, 19 seconds for the Bengals, 30 minutes, 41 seconds for the giants. So pretty even there, but overall yards and whatnot um, again, indicative of also the, the flurry of points at the end there by the giants. So that's, that's kind of what, what that points to. All right. Continuing on with some of the storylines coming from this game, uh, the the Bengals lost uh, Lamont Gaillard to an injury in the game. Um, so we, we're waiting to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, he was out with a calf injury. He's a backup guard, obviously. So um, he, he was declared out. Uh, it was in the third quarter. Yeah third quarter when he uh, exited the game. So he was a starter at right guard at, with Trey Hill starting. Um, and then Guyard and Hill switched spots. Uh, Guyard, uh, his injury occurred during the offense's first drive of the third quarter. And then Desmond Noel came in and Hill moved back to center. So those guys kind of flip-flopping back and forth, given a little flexibility, but uh, not good news about Guyard leaving the game there with an injury. Uh, and then where else are we? Oh, of course, he did have a miss. He did have a long miss last night. But, man, he is just still doing all kinds of good stuff. Is Evan McPherson. They're giving him a lot of opportunities here. Here is the link to this and the title of the article. McPherson may not be perfect, but he's still pretty good. Yeah, he is, uh, dare I say, entering Tucker, Justin Tucker type of type of air here um he (laughs) look at this he was looking at a string of 22 straight field goals without a miss after pulling a 50 yard field goal attempt um and then he was 14 to 14 uh he's just been hitting all kinds of different long kicks he was three three against the cardinals 
Um, he did miss the 58-yarder wide left, had plenty of leg on it. And um, you can see here, the good thing about missing is you never miss twice. McPherson told Bengals Mike Hilton earlier this summer. So um, it, this is it's a cool article here and a guy that, you know, is just doing a lot of different things that continue to help out the Bengals and deep kick after deep kick. A lot of questions about what's going on with the punter situation and the Cincinnati Bengals. Is Drew Chrisman going to take that job from Kevin Huber? Uh, maybe. That's one of the storylines for sure that, that could take place. But here's the thing. We're starting to get an idea as to how infrequent the Bengals may be punting. Between McPherson hitting 50-plus yarders with pretty solid regularity, Zach Taylor being a coach who is a little more inclined to go for it on fourth and manageable situations depending on, on where they are on the field and all of that, Bengals may not be punting uh, as much as uh, some other teams. So, you know, when we're worrying about the punter competition and all of that, that's something that, you know, we got to keep in our minds here in terms of the approach this, this year. So McPherson hit, you know, uh, he made first three attempts against the Giants, including a 50-yarder, did miss the 58-yarder. Um, and then, of course, he had the 58 and 56 yarders against the, the Cardinals in the preseason. So he looks like he is in midseason, postseason form, whatever you want to call it. He is definitely dialed in there. And so that is good to see. Now, the question earlier was, what do, what do I or what do we think about the quarterback two situation and the running back two situation? Well, this guy needs touches. Now, again, when you look at the, the preseason stat line, it's not overly impressive for Chris Evans. Um, it's really not impressive at all. If I, you know, I'm the, the yards per carry average is very paltry, but that's with negating a couple of big plays. And then, of course, he continues to do things as a kick returner. This is a guy that has that Geo Bernard electric ability. He's got, I, I say this with caution. Um, He's got that 05 Chris Perry skill set. He's got that Kenny Watson skill set, not the other Chris Perry, just that one year, that big year of 05 Chris Perry. He's got that skill set to do a lot of different things. You can split him out as a receiver. I almost wonder if he's going to be wide receiver four, wide receiver five at times in this offense. He's going to help you out in the kick return game. Had a big one, 77 yarder against the Giants did Chris Evans have. Um, almost broke that uh, free all the way too, but Man, he is electric, and you know you saw the play against the Lions last year, the the deep pass that he caught for a touchdown. This is a guy you got to get more touches this year, and I know the coaches like Samaj P. Ryan and what he brings, and he has had some very nice moments with the Bengals. Do not do not discount him. I know a lot of people talk about the Super Bowl, and I guess for good reason there, but. There has been a lot of there have been a lot of nice moments from Samaj P. Ryan um, through through his years with the team, and I know that the coaches really like him. He was one of the very first waiver wire additions or late waiver wire additions the very first year of Zach Taylor's tenure as head coach. So he likes him, he trusts him. But this is a guy you got to get the ball in his hands this year, whether it's as a return man, whether it's as uh, you know a receiver running back, whatever it may be, you got to be able to get this guy the ball because he is, uh, he's electric. And, and, you know, I think he fell so far because he just didn't have a lot of touches 
in college and a lot of tape in college. So the Bengals are hope, hopefully going to get some things out of him and, and utilize him in the offense and maybe hopefully utilize him a bit more effectively than the Bengals did in some years with Gio Bernard, especially later in his career. So um, this is a guy that I think will, will help them out for sure. So uh, again, 77 yard kickoff return did Chris Evans have against the Bengals. Nice to see. And a guy that I think we all think is probably going to be at least running back to a, maybe P Ryan's two B and there's still going to be a lot of carries there. Uh, I don't, I I don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but I think, I think the plan and the vision here has been that Evans in year two is going to going to take uh, you know a step forward in terms of how many carries he's going to get and whatnot. So um, good to see him doing some great things for the Bengals. And then of course, um, with the other thing to talk about, I didn't have an article up. Uh, let me see if I can find an article for you. But the other thing to talk about here is the left guard situation. Uh, Carmen did not play because of the the positive. COVID result. Um, you, there's a couple of lines of thinking with Cordell Volson and how he played for the Bengals at, at, as the starting left guard. You can say that he's got kind of a stranglehold now on, on the starting position because Carmen missed time and Volson's shown a little bit more stability and whatnot. There's some things on tape that you like. In week one, I saw him get passed off a, you know, I think it was a stunt where he got passed, passed a, a lineman and seamlessly took that lineman out of the play. And it was a very nice, very nice uh, piece of film there. Then you look at other things and, you know, he gets, sometimes he's gotten initially beat and he's recovered well as, you know, and, and still done what he needed to do. But then there are, you look at this week and you go, okay, well, the PFF scores do not indicate, and I don't have that right in front of me, but it's, it was pretty low what he got, at least in pass blocking. Um, So, that may again how indicative of that is that score of how he performed that evening we know pff is a solid resource and it uses great data to to get its its metrics but it's it's not perfect um to me it's not absolute scripture i think there's a lot of things you can take from that and it is a very very valuable resource when you're looking at players and evaluating players but um you know sometimes your eye test doesn't necessarily match what the PFF scores tell you. And, you know, sometimes the PFF score, one really bad play can really bring your score way down and that sort of thing. And I think he was credited with a sack. So that brought his PFF score way down. But the, the here's the thing with Volson, as opposed to Carmen, the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low. Um, and, and so, you know, Carmen will come up with those big wow plays and absolutely get someone out of the way. But uh, there are plays where it can be, you know, pretty, pretty devastating in terms of a, a sequence or a, a drive in terms of something where there's a lapse or, you know, a bad technique or what have you. Volson does not have as many of those types of things. Now, granted, he's he's only been here. He's only played two preseason games as opposed to to Carmen. But you're starting to see that. And, you know, you saw – Lael Collins, I think I said this, uh, when was this, last week on our show, that he's he had high praise for Volson. I mean, it was basically, you know, this is one of the smartest and, and most dedicated rookies that I've been around in my time in the league, and he sees that he's got a lot there, does Volson. So, uh, you know, it, it depends on how you want to look at – you can look at Volson's performance – 
against the Giants in a couple of different ways. And I think when you look at it, you can take those PFF scores and really hang on to those and say, yeah, he just had a, a bad night in pass protection. There's some merit to that. I, I personally take a little bit of that. And I also look at what I what I saw in the game. And then obviously some people who are a lot smarter than me posting some different clips talking about uh, songs, Bengal songs and coach Minnick and everybody posting some nice clips out there for, and, and Andrew Russell also with PFF. But um, these are, these are things that you can take and you can say, okay, well, bad play here, maybe there, but again, the, the lows just aren't as low. And maybe that's what the Bengals need at this point in time. Maybe they feel that they are confident enough in either guy, or maybe it's Volson at this point in time, that they don't need to get Quentin Spain on the bat phone and, and emergency dial him in to get him on the line. Um, so right now it appears that it's Volson's uh, – Volson may have a, a little bit of an upper hand here on, on things just because of the consistency that we have seen when he has taken snaps and played in games. But the Bengals are invested in Jackson Carmen. There's no doubt about it. They are invested in seeing that project through again, a player who is still very young on the roster was one of, if not I think he and chase were, you know, 20, 21 barely last year when they were drafted to the team. So um, there are a lot of factors at play here. I don't think it's completely settled. I think if you were to tell, if you were to ask me at this moment, who would be starting week one. I think it might be Volson. I think it might be Volson at left guard. And then you've got the, the rest of the crew assembled there, but um, I, I don't, you know, that's, that's just my feeling at this point. But again, we could go into next week and Carmen can come back and play, play his way back into the spot and Volson could play his way out of it. So uh, this is kind of what the preseason's about. It is really kind of the only starting spot that is not, settled at this point in time. Yeah, there's Jesse Bates and, and his situation there, but really that's kind of the the one spot where you look at and you go, okay, what's happening there? Who's going to get that spot there? Because the rest of the team is pretty settled across the board. So at any rate, that's uh, a little bit of what's going on with the Bengals. One more thing besides the preseason talk here, just in case you missed it. Trey Hendrickson, I believe was 78 on the NFL top 100 list. Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow all make the top 100 list. Yeah, so Hendrickson's at 78. Joe, uh, they're all uh, Mixon, Chase, and Burrow in the top half. Mixon at 38. Chase came in at 24, and Burrow just ahead of him at 21. Again, an arbitrary list compiled by players. They they stack players and you know put them on this list, etc. But again, Mixon, Chase, Burrow joining Hendrickson on the top 100, no T Higgins, um, no Jesse Bates, uh, no, no Chidobia Wuzier or, or others that you feel that should have been on that list. But uh, again, Hendrickson at 78, Mixon at 38, Chase at 24, Burrow at 21 in the NFL top 100. Here is the link for everybody to tune in there as well. Okay. Now we're going to take a quick spin around the AFC North and get on out of here. Let's start with the Steelers if we have to. We'll start with the Steelers here. A little bit of roster news for them. They signed offensive tackle Adrian Ely, and they have it's their third new offensive lineman in the past week. So their issue last year was their offensive line. They kind of did some things this year to, to try and remedy that. It has not totally worked 
And so uh, there, there's still some criticism on that a little bit, but they bring in their third new offensive lineman in the past week. They waived in, in exchange to get Adrian Ely, they waived offensive tackle Jordan Tucker. Um, so Ely was undrafted last year was with the Ravens um, and then did not make the 53 man roster was on their practice squad. uh, And then he was suspended for performance enhancing uh, substance policy. And then he was released by the Ravens, went to the Broncos, went to the Rams on their practice squad. um, And then was on the practice squad of the green Bay Packers. And then Tucker, the guy they waved um, he was with the, the Steelers for all of camp didn't see a snap on offense. Um, so, you know, I think it was just a guy that just wasn't really in their plans there. But uh, Adrian Ely, offensive tackle, has some AFC North experience. He is the newest member of the Pittsburgh Steelers as they continue to kind of try and tinker with their offensive line here right before the regular season. Now, let's go. I'm not going to go too deep into this one here. This is on, by the way, that last article was on Behind the Steel Curtain, the SB Nation Pittsburgh Steelers site. So go check that out. And then preseason blog. This is from Teresa Varley on Steelers.com. You can see this, just kind of some news notes, I you know, quotes. Um, and so Terrell Edmonds, Mika Fitzpatrick, and DeMonte Kazee were all in the field together in a package Edmonds liked. Quote, I definitely think it's a nice package, something we could build off of, something we've been working on. That was our first time getting it out there because Mika is out there now. I definitely think it looked good out there. Um, so they're trying to do some different things with Mika Fitzpatrick, one of the best safeties in the league. And Kazee had, a, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, he had he had a couple of nice, uh, couple of nice seasons with the Falcons. You can see here last year, finished the 21 season, eighth on the team with 54 tackles, two forced fumbles, two picks. And I think it was either his rookie year or his second year. He had a, a small handful of interceptions, pretty, pretty talented player. And then, of course, you got Edmonds, who was a, a former high pick of the Steelers as well. So they're trying to do some different things in the backfield and obviously trying to limit the big plays where teams like the Bengals really thrived against them last year. So they're trying to get creative with it. We'll see exactly how effective that is for them, but um, they're doing different things. So go check out that. There's a lot of different uh, news and thoughts about uh, preseason looks and all kinds of different things on that Steelers.com article from Teresa Varley. All right, let's go to Cleveland. And we're not going to talk about the quarterback. We're not going to talk about the quarterback. Browns reduced their roster. They're already down to 80. As of Monday, they waived five players. Here is who they waived. Wasn't long for Wyatt Miller. He was just signed late last week. (laughs) So tackle Wyatt Miller gone. Punter Joseph Charlton gone. Luther Kirk, uh, a safety gone. Parnell Motley, a cornerback gone and tight end Marcus Santos Silva. Those are the five that they waived to get down to 80 before tomorrow's deadline. So uh, some special teams players and a backup offensive line uh, lineman. Wyatt Miller, poor guy, just got there, uh, and now he is waived. So this is a little bit of roster news for them. I don't know if uh, 
you know, how, how hot of a commodity Wyatt Miller will be out there. Wyatt Miller, by the way, was a guy who, if you remember, spent a brief amount of time with the Bengals. So uh, I, I don't know that they'll go back to that well or not. If they, if they think they need some extra tackle help, we'll see. Uh, and some sad news with the Cleveland Browns. This is on clevelandbrowns.com as well. Uh, one of their longtime radio announcers, Jim Mueller, uh, passed away. He was kind of their voice, their radio voice in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Stopped with the team when they moved away from from Cleveland. Uh, he was 79 years old, and um, you know, just a you know a guy who's been kind of a mainstay or was a mainstay with the Cleveland Browns and obviously a sad day for them in a lot of respects because he did pass away. But, um, you know, a guy who kind of saw some of their best days, whether it was some, some of the Belichick days before uh, pre Patriots Belichick days or, um, you know, the, the Bernie Kosar days and all of that, uh, some of the Marty, Marty Schottenheimer days. So um, Jim Mueller, former Browns radio announcer passed away at 79. So, our condolences to the Browns and Mr. Mueller's family. Um, pretty sad day there, but uh, a well-respected guy within the Cleveland Browns organization. That is for sure. All right, let's end with the Baltimore Ravens. We usually try and do some NFL stuff as well, general NFL, but we're coming up against a long show here and we're going to cut it out. Isaiah likely this, I feel like we've talked about this guy a bunch as it pertains to the Ravens and the offseason. And this is on Baltimore Beatdown, the Baltimore Ravens SB Nation site. Isaiah likely just is playing good football. And if you remember, the Bengals were interested in him in pre-draft. They showed pre-draft interest. Uh, the tight end out of Coastal Carolina didn't, didn't test all that well, but a guy who just had a knack for the uh, you know making plays and getting in the end zone with Coastal Carolina last year had 100 yards on 15 snaps. He is going to be a problem, and this offense is going to be a problem. It may not be you know, super exciting 80-yard bombs left and right, but it is going to be mismatch problems for a lot of teams. The Bengals and the rest of the AFC North need to be on notice because they will try and get Mark Andrews, who placed very high on the top 100 list of NFL Network's top players as well. Um, they're going to get in Mark Andrews the ball. They are seemingly going to get Isaiah Likely the ball. Um, they're going to they're going to work the tight ends. They're going to try and get that ball in the end zone and move the sticks and be methodical and kind of work a little bit more to Lamar Jackson's strengths, which is you know let him ad lib and then let him throw the ball in those shorter intermediate areas to um, you know extend drives and and do what do some of the things that he does best. And and one of his best years was a couple of years ago when they were really heavily utilizing tight ends. So this is something that's probably going to be a tough thing to contend with if you're the Bengals and any other team that are on the Ravens schedule. So Isaiah likely rookie tight end, a guy the Bengals had some interest in before the draft is, is playing really well this preseason and through training camp, a guy that they really like. So uh, he might be a problem. He might be a problem for the Bengals and other teams coming up. All right, and then last, we've got one from Ryan Mink at BaltimoreRavens.com, and this is five thoughts on the preseason win against the Arizona Cardinals, and I will put this in the live live chat for you all as well. Um, and so, you know, you can see here there's uh, – 
Tyler, you know, even though he didn't rack up wins, Tyler Huntley proved he's more than a capable backup quarterback last year in Lamar in relief of Lamar Jackson this preseason, uh, nicknamed Snoop, showing the rest of the NFL he could be a starter on a number of other teams. Going through the projected week one starting quarterbacks around the league, a strong case could be made that a dozen teams would probably be better served with Huntley as their guy. He's completed 91% of his passes as Tyler Huntley through the Ravens' first two preseason games. 29 of 32 for 238 and two touchdowns. Woo! That is... That is... uh, It's really good. Uh, Travis Jones, a guy, a rookie defensive lineman that a lot of Bengals fans thought that the Bengals may be interested in, does have a hyperextended knee, um, and so it's not a serious injury, but uh, it, it... he may not be ready for week one. We'll see. Um, but uh, he was he was doing showing some nice things here. Mink on his Twitter account uh, shows a couple of, uh, of plays by him. And again, when you look at the 2022 draft class of the Baltimore Ravens, it was just a lot of it was big name guy after big name guy, guys that the Bengals potentially were, were maybe interested in, depending. But um, go check out that. You can find out all kinds of different things and thoughts by Ryan Mink about the Baltimore Ravens uh, seemingly, uh, you know, depending on how things shake up, but seemingly the Bengals' biggest hurdle in repeating as AFC North champs and, um, you know, uh, getting back to the to the postseason and through the postseason at this point. One of their, one of their biggest hurdles here are the Baltimore Ravens. That's going to do it for us on the postseason. I, I call it post game, but I mean, it, it's a, it's a breakdown. Uh, yeah. A day later. Look, I usually, especially game days, I usually go and do a live show shortly after the game. Uh, last, you know, last night, by the time I would have taken the air, it was 1130, maybe even midnight by the time, you know, things got set up and, and got rolling. So I didn't know if people want to go that late. I don't know what's preferred there. If, you do want to go that late. And you may not have a choice in the regular season. I'm going to do it anyway in the regular season. But if you do want to go and watch and or listen that late, let us know. Let me know if you want, if you're up that late and you're wanting, you're wanting immediate, you know, stuff. It doesn't matter if it's 12 Eastern. It doesn't matter if it's 1 a.m. Eastern. You want, you want the, the breakdown. We'll, we'll get to that. But uh, I thought it was a little late, particularly for a preseason game. And plus I combined, a little bit of a breakdown with the happening headlines today and thought that was a, a succinct way to do it. But, uh, hey, we're always open to feedback. This is – you guys drive this this show. It is a fan-centric show, so let us know through the channels. Hit us up directly on social, whatever. Um, we'll, we're open to feedback for sure. But at any rate, we've got, again, a big show Wednesday – Sam Hubbard joining us that evening. So that will be very cool. We've got listener questions live uh, at the end of the week. So we'll get to that. Of course, you've got Bengal Jim and friends talking football with Bengal Jim going live tomorrow night. You've got coach speak and chalk talk with Matt Minnick coming later this week as well. So we're trying to hammer you with all kinds of different content. Hopefully you enjoy it. We can't thank you enough for the support that you've shown this show, the podcast channel and cincyjungle.com. And we will see you later this week. Let's have some fun. Take care.